Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks. I'm your host Graham Davidson and with me as always is Brian Lomax. This is your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect a movie chosen at random by one of us in the previous episode. This month the movie is the 80s classic, The Hitcher. Brian, would you like to give us a little bit of history about you and how you discovered the movie or how it, what it means to you? Well, I, I noticed a bit of hesitation in your voice there when you know, calling it a classic. For me, I have no hesitation calling this a classic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the films that I kind of grew up with, uh, mainly in my teenage years, not so much as a, as a child. Uh, but, yeah, it's one of them that I kind of latched onto as a teenager with my brother. We watched it quite a lot. And, you know, you, you asked me to... Tell reel off a list of Rutger Hauer movies, the, the good performances by him. You're talking Blade Runner and this. They're, they're the ones that... They're the two that instantly spring to mind. But... Blade it, Fury. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, yeah, my brother would appreciate that one. But, um, no, if, if, you, if you quickly ask me to say, come up with a top ten, his top ten 80s movies... You know, without giving too much thought to it, but just just quickly, you know, you got thirty seconds to come up with a list of the top ten. This would would definitely end up being in there. I don't, you know, like I said, I don't know what position it'd come in, but if I was, yeah, Batman nineteen eighty nine, this Terminator. So it's, there'd be a small list of films that would instantly make up my top ten. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of love for this film. It has been a while since I'd seen it, which is kind of one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up for this you know we, we have had instances in the past where we bring movies up from you know from our teenage years or whatever and you know they, they, back then they were classics and, and now yeah they didn't fare so well frighteners I'm thinking of you um <laughs> but uh but this one yeah I thought you know let's give this another crack it's been about six or seven years since I've seen it will, will it stand the test of time so to speak um so yeah we'll find out when we get into it Uh, this is a movie that i've i've seen a few times as well i remember watching it a lot uh, late 80s early 90s um but i don't think i've seen it since well this century i think it's been that long a time if you ask me what i thought about it beforehand i would say but see thomas howell rudger Hauer picks up a hitchhiker a girl in between a lorry. Yeah, yeah. That that's like the key things I can remember about it. Uh, other than that, wasn't much. So I was really excited to get back to check this out as well, because like I said, it's one that I did like, and it was one I was looking forward to revisiting. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, have you got a synopsis or one that you are borrowing for the podcast? I have indeed. I've actually borrowed from several on IMDb, kind of reconstituted bits and bobs from it and and put my own together so yeah we'll roll with that um here we go a young man named jim halsey played by c thomas howell is transporting a car to another state where he begin when he begins to fall asleep at the wheel to help him stay awake he picks up a hitchhiker named john Ryder, played by rutger hauer Ryder turns out to be a cunning and relentless serial killer who eventually frames Halsey for a string of murders. Chased by police and shadowed by Ryder, Halsey's only help comes from a truck stop waitress called Nash, 
played by Jennifer Jason Leigh. But even Nash may not be safe from the hitcher. Yes! I love it when you get the title <laughs> in there right with Ian Bryan. <laughs> it makes me want to pick something with a really obscure long title just to see how you could work it in. <laughs> Doctor Strange or Love or How I Learned to Start Worrying and Love the Bomb. Yes. <laughs> something like that, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. So, um, let's just jump straight into it. Like the movie does, it wastes no time at all. There's no preamble, there's no setting up the characters. Literally, what you said there is a guy falling asleep at the wheel. Boom, Rodger Hauer, craziness. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I said, I couldn't remember much about this movie, but I was just like, wow, it just throws you straight in at the deep end. And it's refreshing to have that. It is, yeah. And, and it's like... <clears throat> one of the things with this film is because it is kind of very limited in the number of characters that we follow, it means that actually we do kind of get to know these characters across the film. So, like, you know, this isn't a film where, oh, it gets straight into it, therefore there isn't much depth to the characters. Not the case. It gets straight into it because it can afford to, because we're going to spend the rest of the movie with these characters, uh, particularly uh, Halsey. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that that is something that I always loved about the film, because I always knew that <clears throat> if I'm going to stick this on, if I'm going to throw it in the DVD player... I'm not going to have to spend the first 20, 25 minutes getting all the development and stuff. No, it just literally starts. And it's not one of them films where we have half an hour trying to determine whether or not Rutger Hauer is a psychopath or this, that and the mm. other. No, it's just he gets in the car, straight off the bat, he starts I'm playing going to tricks. Your limbs off. Yeah, yeah, I'm, <laughs> straight to it. No messing about. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the things I always loved about the film. Yeah, so like you were saying about the main character there, it's, it starts off, he's falling asleep at the wheel, he's a kind of happy-go-lucky guy, he picks up this picture. My mum told me never to do this, so, like, you know, <laughs> wide-eyed and excited. Um, pretty soon, he is terrified of this wide-open world because of the possibilities he's let into his car. Yeah. Um, he's scared, he's driven away, he gets a backbone, he, he goes into despair where he considers suicide. He realises that he has to face his problems head-on. Mm. He, he mans up and he deals with it in the end. It, it's... It's quite a lot for a generic action movie, which it, is, it's a good character. Well, I mean, you say action movie, but it, it's also a slasher movie. It's also a road movie. And it's, it is one of those films that kind of fits into several different genres. It's quite hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I was quite surprised when some of the big action set pieces kick off. And, and it's actually, it's pretty good, you know, it's not kind of half-assed, it's pretty well directed uh, mm. but um, I, I like that th- this character of John Ryder we, we don't get a right lot to go on with him but mm. there is still stuff there that kind of clues you in a little bit to who this guy is <clears throat> and one of the, thir- the first things that I picked up on is um, when he first pulls the knife on Halsey, mm-hmm. he 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 tells him he he says like basically you can save yourself if you just just I just want you to say one thing, 
and and he's like, what? What, 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 what is it? He's like kind of hysterical at this point. And Ryder says the four words. I just want you to say four words. I want to die. And the way he delivers that line, the way Rutger Hauer delivers that line, it's almost like he's speaking for himself mm. in that moment. It's not that he's just playing games. He's not just trying to get this kid to say, I want to die. It's literally a confession. I feel like this guy, this, he's, he's been spending his time trying to find an adversary who will step up to the plate and kill him. He wants to die. Um, and I think that pays off, obviously, at the end. Everything this guy does, he antagonises Halsey all the time, trying to get... Because he could have this guy. There are several mm -hmm. times where he could have, have him like that. But he sees something in him, and it's in that moment where he, where he fights back, where he, he opens the car door and he pushes him out. And I think at that moment, he realises, this is the one. This is the guy that I need to end my life. If I, if, I can, if I can rub him up the wrong way for long enough, if I can get him going, eventually he's going to do what needs to be done. Um, well, he, he does say in the car as well, I want to be stopped. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and he mentions later on that he's tired and he's he's obviously been almost a compulsive nature, just killing his mm. way through America and he's starting to ramp up and I think he's tired, fed up. He can't stop. Mm. He wants to stop and like you said, this is, this is the person that's going to do the job and I like that moment. Um, after he wakes up from being pushed from the car and the camera comes in at the low angle and he just stands up and there's a little smile on his face. Mm. Almost like the game's afoot. Yeah, it's yeah. On. <laughs> and, on. Uh, there's also, I mean, some people have made, uh, well, theories, I guess, uh, and, and I've been down that road too. When I first watched this, I, I thought the same thing. Not so much these days, but like I say, on first viewing... There's kind of a supernatural element to this guy. So, and, and I think a lot of that, again, comes from the fact that we don't know where he comes from. And when the police, at the end, uh, kind of, they've arrested him, and they say, we don't know who this guy is. There's nothing on him. Fingerprints are pulling nothing up. He's, we, we don't know his name. And Halsey tells him, oh, his name's John Ryder. But he only knows that because Ryder told him that was his name. This could be like Heath Ledger's Joker, you know. We, he could be spouting it. That might not be his name. And, I, I mean, when I was watching this, that was what, one film that I kind of thought about a lot, mainly because of not, not so much the style or the tone or anything like that, or, or, or the performance, I should say, but... But the way that Christopher Nolan wrote his Joker in The Dark Knight, you know, he, we don't know anything about this guy. He just comes on in. He does give us a bit of his backstory, but then we, we learn very quickly that actually that it, it's multiple choice history kind of thing. Everything that comes out of his mouth, mouth could be a lie. Um, mm. And I get that same thing with John Ryder in this film, that, you know, he comes from nowhere and then he disappears into the ether at the end. And we're, we're, no, we're really no wiser at the end of the film about who this guy is than, than we were at the start. All we know about him is that he ki he's killed people, a lot of people, and for some reason 
he wants to die, you know? We, we, we don't mm. get a big, oh, I've got cancer, I found out I had four months to live, so I'm going out in a blaze of glory. We don't get any of that stuff. We don't get, oh, people wronged me, so this is my revenge. Nothing. Just subtle hints that this guy wants to die, and that's it. Stop me. And that's all we get. And it, and it really adds mystery and intrigue to this character. What did you think about the suggestion that maybe there is something supernatural about him? Uh, in a similar way that you would say there's something supernatural about Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers, these people that seem to be unstoppable, they're like sharks, they're always moving forward, they're always just tackling the next victim type of thing. They appear from nowhere. Um, when they, they shouldn't really be able to know what that character is or how he's doing there it, it seems to like tie themselves onto a particular victim whether it be Laurie Strode or, or, or somebody of that ilk and terrorises them so uh, there is that kind of idea about the guy um, that he is a force of nature you could definitely read into it supernatural personally I didn't see that uh, um, but I fully understand it yeah, I I think it I think something feeds into that towards the end. You know, when he jumps out of the back of the police bus, and he jumps onto the car, and there's almost this kind of growling sound that comes from him. I don't I don't know if you heard that, but it's it's like it's like he's growling like a wolf. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that if if you didn't get like a supernatural feeling from this guy before with the fact that. You know, like, because he goes into a police station and takes out three cops, you know? And it's like, we we don't see what he did there, we just see the aftermath. So that feeds into, like, theories of something supernatural. And then at the end, when he... Sorry, yeah, at the end, when he jumps out of that police bus and he almost growls again, it just... There's there's a lot of subtle things in the film that allow you to be able to say, well, yeah, I believe this, or I believe that. But you know neither one is wrong or right. Hmm. But you you get that in say Halloween one or uh, Friday Thirteenth Part two. They're not a supernatural character just yet. They're an, an unstoppable evil being. Mm. But in later iterations, they become something a wee bit sort of supernatural. And I wouldn't be surprised if we had somehow got like a, a Hitcher two, a Hitcher three, a Hitcher four, and it eventually elevated that character up mm. to something wacky because if you put a mask on this character you've got an iconic villain I mean yeah. I think he's already iconic but you could have had like something else in the legacy of like horror movies almost. and I do think it is very slasher-esque yeah and I mean because so- it's, 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 de- it's, de- I mean, it's coming off the back of all of those kind of movies really because I think this, this was 1986 so we, we'd already had the first few Friday the 13th movies by then and a few uh, Halloween movies. So mm-hmm. slasher genre movies were very much, you know, like high-end business at this point. So, yeah, it is the right time for it to be kind of emulating that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other main character we have in the movie, I say main, she's not really, is Jennifer Jason's Lee Nash character. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd get, I would go so far as to call her main character. She, she is very instrumental in Halsey's success in defeating this character. I think uh, she, she, you know, she's quite. It is quite a pivotal role. Hmm. 
Yeah. I think she's sort of key to the, the most memorable scene mm. in the movie, I would imagine. It's definitely one that stuck with me. It's a horrific death. Yeah. Um, and, 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 just, and you don't it, see it as well. That's the thing. Like don't with. Need to. Yeah, like yeah. with most of the deaths in this in this film, um, you know, I, I go back to the aforementioned police station in which those three cops are killed. You don't see it, mm-hmm. but it helps to build up just how sinister and driven and determined this this John Ryder is. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 this scene now, we've got her tied between these two trucks. Yeah. We get we get a little bit of movement where it's stretching her, and and you're like, oh oh no 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 no, that's all you need, all mm-hmm. you need. And uh, I mean, it's in the grander scale as well. We've got all the police there mm-hmm. as well. This guy isn't somebody that hides in the shadows. <laughs> no, he's, he's kind of like flaunting it in front of everybody. This, yeah. this maniacal nature that he has. Um, Nash's character as well. She's introduced when when see Thomas Howe's character. I forget his name. Halsey. Halsey. It's trying mm. to get into the diner and it's locked and she kind of goes, like, you know what, this guy looks dishevelled, dirty. I'm going to allow him in here when it's just me. Yeah. She, she seems like a kind of trusting person. <laughs> Benefit of the doubt, definitely. Mm. Um, and not even that, when the guy's away like, making a phone call about murders and places blowing up, she's like, I'll cook him something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think she just she takes pity on him. I think she understands yeah. that this guy has clearly been through something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wants to use the phone, so he's he's obviously in dire need of help. But uh, she, she's definitely somebody that looks for the best. Because I'm thinking of the scene later on in the bus where he drags her into the toilet, puts mm-hmm. a gun in her face, hands her <laughs> the mouth, and says, I'm, "I'm not a murderer!" <laughs> <laughs> Screaming at her, and she's mm-hmm. like, "All right then." Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> She's, she's a, a good judge of character. Yeah, but it, she yeah. does do a lot in the small time that she's on screen because she mm. creates a likeable character who you buy into, who yeah. when she dies that horrible death, you actually feel it. Mm. You know, most of the other characters we don't really feel for, they're just cannon fodder for this maniac. Mm. Um, but this was one that actually affects us because it's a character that we've built up and she is given a horrific demise. Yeah. It's because she's given him so much help and because she's trusted in him, she earns our trust. You know, we root for her. And <clears throat> i got to say, the first time I watched this, and I, I do remember quite specifically when I first watched this because it did have that much of an impact on me, I just remember thinking, she can't be dead. She can't, we've, we've not seen it. We didn't see it. They didn't show us the body. We didn't mm. see it happen. It was off screen. She ain't dead. This is, this is all a trick. Something's going to happen. She's still going to pop up at some point after this. And she doesn't. And, and you're just like, I was in denial for ages because I really believe that they wouldn't kill her off. Um, so, you know, kudos to them for having the balls to, to do so. And it, it does, I mean, talking about balls this movie really goes for it in the start so just after um, Halsey has getting rid of Ryder and he's driving down the street he's all happy in that and then this family vehicle towing mm. a boat takes by him and he's kind of like waving at the kids and he's elated and then the little teddy bear's waving back and it moves out of the way to show Ryder mm. and you're like that family yeah you know, is he going to leave them alone? Is he, are they going to survive? And then you see the car later on, and you get the idea that he's killed a family of four. Yeah, yeah, kids, kids included. Yeah. Like kids they, included. again, they don't show it you, but they just don't need to. You're mm-hmm. see, you're seeing events 
through Halsey's eyes. And I think that's one of the reasons why we, we never see on screen John Ryder killing someone unless he is sharing screen time with Halsey. Mm-hmm. Every other death, every, every other murder committed by, by Ryder, we see off screen. And that's because Halsey doesn't see it. He's not there mm-hmm. to witness it. He's only there to witness the aftermath. So this film constantly puts you into the perspective of this character. Yeah, it's it's terrific. I mean, there's so many good scenes at work. It had a lot more action than I remember as well. Mm. A lot more good action. Um, as this character's really driven to the, the edge, doesn't really know what he's going to do. There's, there's several like, car chases, explosions... Um, <laughs> I mean, it kind of surprised me watching it again. Yeah, I mean, that, I I forgot about that to be honest. I remember there being a, li- a a bit of action, you know, enough that I could call it kind of a an action slash slasher film or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when when I was watching it this time around, I, I was like, oh, actually, this this does have more than its fair share of action, and it, and it's actually pretty decent. All that stuff with the chase, and he takes down that helicopter. It's like, wow, okay, yeah, cooking on gas. Um, so yeah, it's quite a thrilling movie in that respect. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good movie, and I think it it could have been a pretty generic effort if it wasn't for the acting prowess of Rutger Hauer, who really gives this killing machine a kind of sense of personality. He seems to be having gleeful fun as he's hunting down this guy and just causing him sheer hell. Mm. There's, there's something kind of homoerotic about it as well. Um, it's like the the scene towards the end when he, when Halsey spits in his face and he just kind of... It's, it's like he almost rubs the spit on his lips. It's just... It's such a bizarre moment, but it's... it's the kind of moment I can only imagine Rutger Hauer doing. I, I, I can't imagine that being in the script. And mm. I, I do have to give props to the script, actually, by Eric Red. Uh, this is a guy who I, I think has earned the right to be called a good screenwriter. He wrote Near Dark, and he also wrote a another Catherine Bigelow film called Blue Steel, both of which are really decent movies. So, mm-hmm. you know, he definitely hit a hat trick with these three movies. Um yeah. so but 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 I think yeah, this moment it, it definitely feels like something that that came from Howard. You know, you, you think about Blade Runner and they they, they always point out that the uh the, the the little speech that Roy Batty gives at the end of that film, half of it was kind of just done on the fly by Rutger Hauer. He just he just kind of came up with it. He went off set for a few minutes and came back and he'd written this little speech, which he you know suddenly became this classic moment of cinema. And here as well, obviously, obviously this is no way near that level. People don't remember no. it, but I just feel like as a as an indicator of just how good Rutger Hauer can be. I mean, he's made his fair share of drock, let's face it, but when he's firing all, on all cylinders, he pulls off moments like this, where he's just like, just just let the camera roll and leave him to it. And, and it's filmed in a, in a really, say, really wide, widescreen type of effort as well. It's, it's, I noticed watching it this time round, that I think it's almost like 2, 3, 5 to 1 mm. ratio, 
Um, and it creates these wide open vistas of this desert landscape as well. Quite a lot when it's just uh, see Thomas Hill's character just standing there watching things going on round about him um, in the wide open wilderness, just highlighting that this is a, a man alone. Yeah. Uh, with nowhere to go, nowhere to help, nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's a really hostile environment, isn't it? It, it yeah. definitely suits what's going on. Yeah. Okay, Brian, anything else on the hitcher? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few supporting players. Well, to be honest, one in particular that I just want to mention, uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, <coughs> the guy from uh, Shawshank Redemption and the, the X-Files movie, uh, Jeffrey Dimon. Uh, this, this is a... Uh, a favourite of Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont tends to use him in all of his films. And he plays the sheriff at the end of the film, the one that mm -hmm. Halsey pulls the gun on in order to go after Ryder. Uh, and, and I just, you know, again, it's a very small part, but mm -hmm. I, I think Damon is a really class act. He's a good actor. Uh, he's, he's a good character actor. You know, he's, he's not one of these people that, if, if you named him, most people would know, but he's certainly someone that most people will have seen at somewhere, at some point in a film, and and I think he always brings good, kind of well acting chops. You know, he, he brings some some heavyweight skills as an actor to to whatever roles he does, and they do mm -hmm. tend to be quite small roles. But uh, so yeah, I, I liked him here. Really liked his character. Very limited screen time, but I. I Again, I get a sense of who this guy is and what he stands for. And, you know, part of that may be down to the script, but I, I think a lot of it is also down to Jeffrey Dumont's performance. Yeah, um, I, I can't say it really stuck out at me. Um, but I'd like a performance of him, and there's a performance of a cop later on, I think it's Armin Shimmerman. I think it's the guy's name. I've seen him in a lot of movies. He's got a particular... <laughs> it's not nice to say, but he's got like a kind of weaselly face. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the cops are pretty good. I, I don't really know if I've got much more to say about The Hitcher because it's, it's a, a genre movie and, and what it does, it does very well. Um, but uh, like I said, I had a lot of fun with it. A lot of good scenes as well. A lot of surprising scenes from what I could remember and it, it offered a lot more what I thought it was you know I mm. thought it was just a straight like revenge thriller kind of thing but it had a lot of action elements to it as well ok Brian I'm struggling <laughs> no I, I just like you say it's 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 very simple it is a, it is a simple plot it's, it, you know, it's a, a very simple idea concept is the, is the word I'm looking for um, and, and it gets going as we said straight away you know, you, you you sum up the plot and you literally get that in the first couple of opening scenes. The rest of it is just, well, how is that going to play out? How How is this guy going to stop this guy? Um, and the journey from A to B to C is just really en enjoyable and, and quite tense at times as well. Um, and if I you mean, just... if you're really looking for something in, in the movie, you could say it is a coming of age almost where this character becomes the man that he wants to do by facing his demons, which come in the form of Ryder. Mm. Uh, maybe reading a bit too much into it, but it, it is, this is how he simply on this car ride becomes the 
the man that he's going to be through the rest of his life. Well, I mean, going back to that line, you know, his his first line is, my mum told me never to do this. <laughs> instantly, instantly that puts you in the mindset that this is a mummer's boy. This is a mm-hmm. guy who's barely stepped out of his house for, you know, the first 18 years of his life. And, and he's doing something rather wacky now, this, this whole mm-hmm. road trip in order to get to another state, because... He's going on an adventure. You know, it's probably the first time he's ever been away from home. And mm. so, I, I, you know, I don't think you're off the mark there by saying it is a coming-of-age drama. He, he very quickly has to become an adult and he very quickly has to make a hard choice, which is, actually, this guy won't stop. The police don't know what they're dealing with. I do. I need, I need to stop him, you know, and he's right mm. to do so because as yes. we see, as he see, we see when he turns the car around, and he goes after him, he's already killed all the police guys in that bus. He's already broken out of it. So if he hadn't have gone back to kill him, to stop him, who knows how many more lives would have been lost after that? So yeah, you know, very hard choices to make. So he becomes an adult, like you say. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I just love the execution of it. I, I think it's expertly directed. I think the script is on point. I think the performances are on point, um, and and it doesn't overstay its welcome. You know, it's a good hour and a half movie that actually breezes on by, and and, and just each scene has something to offer. So, so wrap up team. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I just did wrap it up. I, yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, I. I mean, I have just talked about this film on on something uh, on uh, over on Drum Dums, and and I kind of gave it like a four and a half out of five. I just gave a little summary of it, and I gave it a four and a half out of five. And even when I did that, I I didn't really know why I was giving it a four and a half because, in all honesty, I can't really think of anything to criticise. So I, I kind of regret doing that, and, I, and I'm going to give this a five. I, I actually right. there's a reason I put this in my top ten of the eighties. I think it is a perfect film. I, I, I you know I I don't I think any film you can find criticisms of. So in that regard, there isn't there's no such thing as a perfect film. But for me, this is perfect for me. I love this film. I think it's great. Every time I go back to it, I remember why I loved it so much. Um, so yeah, five mm. out of five. Yeah, it's in this age where it seems to be everybody's trying to recreate grindhouse movies, um, this feels like a proper grindhouse movie. It's kind of grimy, it's kind of dirty, it's a small story. Um, whereas these days it's it's, it's over stylized. This doesn't have that problems or hang ups. It's, it's treating the story um, pretty straightforward. Uh, not poking fun at itself, it's it's a straight list movie. I I like it in several levels, like the coming of age story. I like the sort of mythical element of Ryder as he stalks this boy down and has a lot of fun doing it. The action set pieces are pretty fun. There is a very memorable death in the movie, even though you don't see it. And it's one of these movies that I hadn't seen in a long time and I thoroughly enjoyed. I don't love it as much as you do. Um, I definitely don't have many problems with it. I do have some issues with uh, C. Thomas Howell's acting abilities. <laughs> um, but that's, that, that's if I'm, I'm picking on it. And I think for me, the movie's definitely worth your time and it is a three and a half out of five. Three and a half? Man, a lie. 
definitely oh. better than the Frighteners. I'd have, expe- I'd have expected at least a four. Come on. Okay. Fair okay, enough. So, uh, so double feature. Uh, uh, so have you thought of a movie that you would pair with this one? Yeah, I've, I've got a couple. Um, I, you know, d- d- yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to go with Roadkill. Um, well, it was called Roadkill in the UK. It's called Joyride in the US. Hello, yeah. um, Candy Cane. Yeah, Candy Cane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, written by J.J. Abrams of all people. Uh, but yeah, really fantastic little thriller that I feel owes more than a debt to this film. I, I think it owes, obviously, as do most. J.J. Abrams films, a debt to Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know, mm. when you think of Jewel, and that was the that was the other film I I had on my list. Uh, yeah, I, I think Joyride, Roadkill, whatever you want to call it. J, I think J.J. Abrams was definitely going for a, his version of Jewel there when he wrote it. He, he's mm-hmm. definitely influenced by Spielberg, but I can't help but feel there is also a bit of the Hitcher influence. In that as well, you know, I, I see a road movie about someone stalking people uh, and kind of relentless about it. I can't help but think of the Hitcher. So, well, I, I will go for a movie that I've only saw once, and I only saw it back in the early nineties. And that movie is Kid, starring C. Thomas Howell. Now, <laughs> um, let me bring up the poster for this. On the poster, it says, "He took you for a ride of your life in the Hitcher. Now he's back." This was a kind of unofficial sequel, <laughs> um, where pretty much uh, his character is called Kid in it. Goes back to a hometown where his parents were murdered by the townsfolk and takes his vengeance. Um, again, it's got a memorable death. Uh, like I said, I saw this once back in the early nineties, involving a tennis ball and a tin of fry, fly spray. Um, and it very much it. it even though it's not a sequel to The Hitcher and such, they kind of advertise it that way, and it's almost saying that this guy so he learned how to be a man in the first one and now takes it on to get his vengeance in the second one. It's a movie that it's probably going to be very hard to get a hold of. But yeah, that's my double feature for this episode. Have you seen the? Uh, have you seen Kid Brian? I've not. I, I had heard of it and I stayed clear away from it because I, I knew it. I knew it wasn't a sequel to The Hitcher, and I knew it wasn't related to The Hitcher in any way, um, but they were clearly trying to cash in on that vibe. And, yeah. you know, my, my love for The Hitcher being what it is, um, that love kind of being, uh, well, I'll just say it, pissed upon by the remake with Sean Bean, which is absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, I, I had no desire to kind of repeat that experience mm. by watching this. Mm. Just, just when you mentioned the remake, you've obviously seen it, I've not. You said it's pretty crappy, so I'm probably going to stay clear of it. But did you see the, the official sequel to Hatcher? I didn't, no. Um, no. I, and there's a, there's a Frighteners, uh, another Frighteners correlation right there, because I, I believe the, uh, what's his face, Busey. Jake, Jake Busey, oh, yeah. is it? I believe yes, he yes. plays the Hitcher in that one, so... Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's not something I've experienced either, and it's not something that I'm going to. No. Um, So I'm quite happy with that. So we're going to move on to the top five of this episode. Now, this was one that um, 
again, you seem to be a little bit underprepared with the top fives and you pulled it out of your hat. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's one place you could say I pulled it from. <laughs> yeah, um, so would you like to tell everybody your delightful top five for this episode, Brian? Yeah, so so for this one, I, I, mean, I mean, I guess the more obvious choice would have been top five Rutger Hauer roles. I, I kind of regret not doing that now, but um, I, I went with top five Jennifer Jason Lee performances. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Do you want to go first? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, this was a hard one for me, Brian. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, there was three absolutely easy ones that just went on the list and then there was a couple that I just struggled to put on it so at number five I'm going to put Nash from The Hitcher it's a small role but um, it really builds up a character in a short period of time that you genuinely like you genuinely feel for and it is shocking when her demise appears okay okay so uh, my number five is the character of Lois Kaiser from Shortcuts Uh, this is a bit of an ensemble film from um oh what's his name altman robert altman uh, it's a it's a very good film and and there's you can tell there's definitely a lot of inspiration for paul thomas anderson from from it uh, partic- mm. particularly when you look at boogie nights and magnolia those big kind of you know pieces in which there's tons of actors in it all all doing little little parts little stories that crisscross and <clears throat> I, I was of two minds whether to put this on the list because I I, <laughs> I think I would only include it if it is actually the character that I think it is. It's been a long <laughs> it's been a long long time since I've seen this film, and if it's the character that I think it is, then she plays this woman who is kind of. Um, She's like a housewife, but she does phone sex. <laughs> she makes money doing sex phone calls, so she obviously the, the the phone calls get rewired to her, and then she does her you know her old sexy voice and all this that and the other. And then when she hangs up, she's back to being a house mum and stuff. And uh, I just it it stuck in my mind for some reason. Like I say, if that is indeed the role that she played, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm like ninety five percent sure that is the character that she played in Shortcuts, because um, because I'm thinking of the other actors that were in it and I don't think they were the ones who played that character. So if indeed <laughs> if indeed that is Jennifer Jason Lee's character in Shortcuts, then she is my number five. Okay, uh, my number four is Allegra Geller from Existence, the David Cronenberg movie, also starring Jude Law. And this, she is the the designer of a futuristic game who is almost assassinated at the beginning of it, and she has to kind of go on the run, and she's checking out her virtual reality game. It is a weird movie. Um, she's particularly good in it. It's a memorable one. It's one that I, I've seen a few times, and gets better with each watches, but. She is a, is a very strong part of that, um, being the lead character as well, which is a, a rare occurrence for uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh. It is. It's a really rare occurrence. Um, in fact, I'm not sure I can think of a, another role where she has been the lead character. Uh, not well, not from the films I've seen anyway. Um, just just out of interest, you know, when I when I did my research for this, obviously. I checked out her profile on IMDb just to look at what, what have I actually seen her in. 
Um, I've seen 14 films altogether. So from, from my top five was made from a list of 14. And the, the kind of the criteria that I, uh, that I kind of used to put her in my top five or to, to make this top five was just how memorable was the character? How memorable was the role and the performance itself? Uh, so that's how I came with, up with my top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, number four, I've gone with The Hitcher. And that simply be, I think that's simply because this, this was one of the first films I remember her from, or, that I remember seeing her. She, you know, she, her. she became a name to me as an actress because of this film. You know, like the, the, the film that is number three on my list... I, I I remember seeing oh she's in it that's the girl from the the the, hit, the hitcher you know and that's one of the things that pulled me in so yeah it was the hitcher really that made me know who she was so <clears throat> and and I, I do like her character and what she even though she has a limited screen time what she means for the film yeah so she's my number four okay my number three is Stacey Hamilton. <clears throat> From Fast Times at Ridgemont High. This is an ensemble movie as well. It's one that I've seen quite a lot. Um, I, I don't know if it's her first ever uh, acting role or not, but she's very young in the movie, and she has got one of the most complete story arcs throughout all of the characters that are through this. It's her kind of sexual awakening to her first love, to her first time, to unwanted uh, pregnancy. Um, and it's it's like I said it's it's a comedy, but <laughs> um, a comedy drama. Her her aspect is more a drama to it, and it's it's always something that's kind of stuck with me. Um, I think it's a particularly good movie, and from a, an ensemble piece, her position, her role really sticks out amongst the rest of the cast. I don't remember a right lot from Fast Times at Richmond High. I remember liking it, but I saw it when I was about ten. Mm-hmm. And I've not seen it since. Um, I think I think I was about ten, maybe maybe a little bit older. But uh, yeah, I, I I do remember liking it. And is this was that the one with Sean Penn in it? Yeah, he he kind of steals it because he's jokey role. But yes. it's more than just that. Yeah, I, I I remember Sean Penn stealing it uh, as this kind of stoner guy. Yes, um, Yeah, so so I I do remember it. You know, I, 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 I know that it's a good film, I remember liking it, but I haven't seen it since I was a teenager, so I, I literally remember nothing about it. Um, but, yeah, there you go. Uh, OK, so <clears throat> my number three, and again, this is the film that I, I kind of went into optimistically off the back of having seen The Hitcher, because she was in it, uh, and that is Buried Alive. This is a made-for-TV movie, it's actually directed by Frank Darabont, who did Shawshank Redemption, and it's a really damn good film. Um, it's it's very underrated, I feel. It's 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 kind of forgotten as well. It's it's not been released on DVD over here. It's certainly not been released on Blu-ray, uh, and and I really hope that they do. I'm a big fan of Frank Darabont as director, and even though this was a made-for-TV movie, it's really cinematic, and it's it's about this this. This is, woman. is that the one with Tim Matheson? It is, yeah, it is. He so yeah, he I've plays, yeah, he plays this husband, 
and she is cheating on him. She's his wife, and she's cheating on him with this other guy, and this other guy kind of concocts this scheme to use this poison, which comes from a, a particular type of fish. Um, mm. So she, she puts it in his meal and, and, and poisons her husband, thinking she's killed him, and they, and they bury him. But apparently with this poison, you have to be very specific with the dose. And if you don't give enough of it, what it does is it, it, it paralyzes you, makes it look like you're dead, and in actual fact you're not. And he wakes up in his coffin. And thankfully, because they've done this half-arse job of burying him in a, in a kind of rotten wooden box, he's able to smash his way out of it and he, he climbs out of it. You know, there's that almost like an iconic image of his, his hand coming out of the out of the dirt and it's, it's just but yeah uh, See, she she just plays yeah, I a think complete it's got a, sorry go yeah, on I think it's got a, I think it's got a sequel as well is this the one where he, does he turn the house into a kind of maze at the end he does yeah so because because yeah. he's he builds houses that's what he does for, for a living and uh, so when he gets his revenge you know he comes back he takes revenge and what he does he makes this huge house well he, t- he turns her house in, into this essentially a big coffin so it's just loads of corridors that he's made and it kind of becomes it yeah it's it's a great film it's quite twisted and she plays this like proper biatch of a wife uh you know um and uh, yeah it's i highly recommend if if you can get hold of a copy of it then please please do send it me because i i would really love to see it again um yeah, um, I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. Like, um, I can't remember a role in it. That movie sticks with me. I remember him sticking his hands into a sink full of iodine. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know why that sticks with me um, in the maze scene of that. Yeah, but that's that's a terrific movie. Mm. Um, definitely something we'll need to check out again at some point. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Selena St. George from Dolores Claiborne. This uh, is an ad- adaptation of a Stephen King novel. Kathy uh, Bates got a lot of plaudits for her role of the titular character, and rightly so, she's excellent in it, but um, Jennifer Jason Lee plays her daughter, who kind of doesn't really get along with her mother, and kind of half suspects that she killed her father, and it's kind of told in, in various like, time scales, going back to the current uh, story, and then going back to the time before when something's happened, and they get a lot of like drama between these two, and it's almost like I'm acting powerhouse between these two actors, and I think it's it's one of the best roles that she's ever had. And along, it's just unfortunate that Kathy Bates was there as well because mm. she seems to get all the kudos for the role. But yeah, that's my number two. I've got I've got a feeling Kathy Bates was nominated for an Oscar for that one. Um, Possibly, yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that she was. I've not seen it, and it is on my list because I, I have. Terrific. When it came out recently, and everybody was doing, you know, Stephen King adaptations and all that lot, that is one that seemed to pop up in which people, a lot of people, were saying it's a fantastic film. Um, mm. So I, I, I kind of feel like if I'd seen it, that would probably be in my top five, but I haven't. So there you go. Um, my number two, and I've got a feeling that our number two choices are probably going to be the same, but we'll see. Um, number one? Uh, our number two and number one. Oh, right. oh, oh, no, sorry, that was your number two, that wasn't was it? Yep. Okay, in that case, forget what I just said. My number two... <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number two is Hedra Carlson from Single White Female. Um, yeah, 
just she, she's just a pure psycho in this. Mm. This is like fatal attraction, but with two women. So, yeah, rather than this woman being obsessed with a guy, it's yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee moves in to Bridget Fonda's apartment. They, they they start to flat share, and she gets really kind of obsessed with her. And yeah, I just like I say when when I think about memorable performances by Jennifer Jason Lee. If you ask me which ones do you remember, this this is one I remember. It's one that sticks in my head. Whether whether or not it's a good film, I'll I'll leave to you to, to decide for yourself. But as a role, I, I I remember it. It sticks in my mind. Okay, uh, my number one is Daisy Domergue from The Hateful Eight. Um, it's a Tarantino movie, so all the characters are are really well written, they've all got excellent dialogue but she is, is quiet for a lot of the movie, she gets covered in every kind of, sort of bodily fluid or just fluid in general going <laughs> um, she gets beaten up, pushed around and she seems like the sort of toughest character out of all of these hardened characters on screen and she's like a petite woman who takes these beatings, rolls with the punches and is just a delightful character to watch on screen. The Hateful Eight was my, was my favourite movie of the year it came out and it was all down to well, her performance uh, in Mainstay, one of the best female characters I've seen in a Tarantino movie. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I mean, that's my number one. It, I, I think it's... She's a good actress. She's a very good actress. And, you know, the the, the films I've mentioned... She does make an impression in them, um, but you you stick her with Tarantino. You stick anyone with Tarantino, you're gonna get the best from him. There's there's something about what he does, even if you don't like his movies, even if you don't like his style, he knows how to get the best performance, the absolute best performance from his actors. Um, and, and and yeah, I mean, you know, this this isn't just number one. This is like plus plus one, you know. This, c- compared to the rest of the roles on this list and the other ones that I've not mentioned, which I have seen, this is definitely, absolutely the most memorable performance that she's given. Yeah, hundred percent agree. So we're on to the the fun part of the episode. We're, we're going to choose. The movie <laughs> are you, are you the saying the rest of the episode wasn't fun? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> that was a, an uncomfortable silence there. We'll, uh, we'll move on. Yeah, go on. Now, I have a particular theme in mind for this one, but I don't want to tell you what it is beforehand. I want to tell you what my theme is after the fact. Okay. Um, but I thought we'd go for a little bit of Russian roulette this month. Mm-hmm. Um, as with Russian roulette, you usually have like several empty chambers and one with a bullet. This one, there is four bullets <laughs> in this chamber. Now, the five movies, I've seen them all. One I particularly like and would like to revisit. The other four, I didn't like. <laughs> um, so, let's uh, go on with this Russian roulette. So, I will start with uh, number one. A man having fallen in love with the wrong woman, is sent on a diplomatic mission to a distant land as an ambassador. Stopping at a small village to restock in supplies, he finds himself unwittingly embroiled on a quest to defeat a mysterious threat. 
Number two. A treasure hunter and their companion find themselves on a quest. Unfortunately, so is her murderous adversary. Against insurmountable odds, they must race against time to complete this quest. Oh, man. Uh, Earth, number three. Earth has been colonised and humanity enslaved by a powerful race. No, 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 no. no. together no. the last group of humanity Ditch that to one. stage an uprising. Ditch. <laughs> I'm not watching Battlefield Earth. I don't care what you say. It is indeed the Battlefield Earth. Let's yeah. also kick that out. Let's move on to the other ones. Number four. A scientist develops a biological lethal weapon and accidentally kills 18 soldiers during the tests. A rogue colonel is after the weapon when it falls into the hands of two average Joes. These men try to get the weapon to safety as they are hunted down. And number five, a futuristic war hero is abandoned on a semi-colonised planet where he becomes their only hope of survival. So you're get are you sure you want to get rid of Battlefield Earth? I definitely want to get. I've not even seen Battlefield Earth, but I I just oh, God, I, it's, I know it's yeah I know how painful it'd be. Like when even when you watch the trailer, every shot in that trailer just looks like it's all shot in Dutch angles. It looks like Joel <laughs> Schumacher got his hands on it, and oh man, it just, looks as if they, they've spent money on everything except the tripod, and it's one <laughs> leg too short. <laughs> Oh man, uh, no, I, I would, yeah, I just would not touch that with a barge pole. Um, I've got a feeling that number five is soldier. Um, which is kind of unofficially takes place in the same world as Blade Runner, I do believe. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh man, I'm pretty sure I've not seen number four. I'm pretty sure I have no clue what you're talking about there. Um, give us, give us one, two, and four again. Okay, number one. A man, having fallen in love with the wrong woman, is sent on a diplomatic mission to a distant land as an ambassador. Stopping at a village to restock in supplies, he finds himself unwittingly embroiled on a quest def- to defeat a mysterious threat. Man alive. Uh, number two. A treasure hunter and their companion find themselves on a quest. Unfortunately, so is her murderous adversary. Against insurmountable odds, they must race against time to complete this quest. So I've got a feeling that's one of the Tomb Raider movies. Um, Go on, number, number four, what's number four? Number four. A scientist develops a biological lethal weapon and accidentally kills 18 soldiers during the tests. A rogue colonel is after the weapon when it falls into the hands of two average Joes. These men try to get the weapon to safety as they are hunted down. Oh, man. Uh, And then, of course, there's number five as well. Right, get get rid of number five, because I have seen it. Um, Okay, you've got rid of 1998's Soldier. Yeah, I thought so. Um, Get rid of number... Two. Are you sure? 
Number two, you have got rid of 1995's Cutthroat Island. Oh! <laughs> so, all right, given the three that I've got rid of, one of the two that remains has to be one of the one the, the, the one that you liked. Unless unless you really like Soldier, which I can't imagine you would. One of the two that's left is one that I really enjoy. Right, okay. Um, and one of them is definitely a bullet to the head. So I've got a feeling that number one is the bullet to the head and that number four is actually one you like. Um, do I want to give you a bullet to the head? And in doing so, do I thereby risk giving myself a bullet to the head? Because number four sounds like something I've not seen. Number one... I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure one of these movies you will enjoy, and I think the other one you will absolutely detest. <sighs> right. Get rid of number four. You have gotten rid of 1998's Chill Factor. Never seen it. Basically, the plot is, it's Skeet Ulrich and somebody else, I can't oh, remember who. Oh, yeah, I remember the posters. The ice cream truck. It's a, it's a biological <laughs> weapon that they have to keep below a certain temperature. <clears throat> oh, man, that sounds appalling. Sounds appalling. Now, let me tell you what this theme was. I went on and checked what some of the biggest financial bombs were <laughs> <laughs> for movies, and I picked five of these movies. So these were all huge budgeted movies that failed. I am particularly glad that you chose this movie. This is a movie that I've seen several times. I own a copy of it. I love it. It's directed by John McTiernan stars Antonio Banderas and it is called The Thirteenth Warrior. Oh, no! <laughs> this is not a good film. This is, this is the I one you, you like. I do. Of I the do five. Like it from what I, of I, the five. Oh, <laughs> man. I'd have have you, did you hear the five? <laughs> I did, but I've ra I think I'd have rather have picked Soldier over this, to be honest. Um, I, what I feel is... is a, a, continually picking movies that we enjoy. Mm -hmm. They don't really challenge us and we don't really get any real discussion out of it. So I wanted to pick something that is pretty much a hand grenade that we are holding <laughs> close to our chests. A movie that we may not enjoy, but we could get a good discussion out of. I feel like one of the best discussions we had was The Frighteners, a movie mm. we weren't overly fond of. So I've decided to go for it again and just pick up this. And we will go for a fun top five of your top five John McTiernan movies. We've not done that already, have we? No. Right, okay, good. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do really like John McTiernan, it's got to be said. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, cracking. Yeah, so I, I take it you've seen The Thirteenth Warrior before then? <clears throat> I have. I, 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 I owned it at one point. <laughs> it, it was a... Uh, when, when I first got... A DVD player and uh, started buying DVDs. It, it it was a blind buy, and I bought it on the strength of you know what it is directed by John McTiernan. It has to be good, 
this is the guy who at the time had had made the only two decent Die Hard movies and made Predator and a few others that were actually pretty well deserving of being talked about. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I just I don't remember liking it all that much. I, I don't think it was terrible from what I remember. I just, I just, going into it, knowing that it was John McTiernan, I think I was bitterly disappointed. Well, we, I think you need to approach this with the guise of this is one of the biggest Hollywood bombs <laughs> ever. <laughs> <coughs> Expect the worst and be hopefully surprised, Brian. <laughs> We remember, well, do you know what, Brian? We've not done uh, any housekeeping. We've not, um, but yeah, people, you know, if you're listening, if you got this far and you, you like what you hear, you like what we do, please do go on to uh, iTunes and give us, a, give us a rating. Just click that five, hopefully, with any luck, and just, just leave a little note, you know, a little sentence review. It only has to be one sentence long. Because uh, it because it helps yeah really helps us to get seen so we'd really appreciate it yeah thanks for that Brian so remember to join us next month when we'll be talking about the thirteenth warrior <laughs> and I wish you could all see Brian's face right now thanks for listening and we'll see you next month on Brits on Flex.
Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out alone Riders on the storm So, sorry, I'm just getting a phone call. Hang on. Yeah. Hello? Hello? Hi, Mum. You alright? Right, okay. It's just a really random time for you to be calling, that's all. It's like 20 to 11. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of a hangout on uh, Google at the moment. <laughs> a hangout, one of them things I do on YouTube. Okay, see you, Mum. Sorry about that. Best outtake ever. <laughs> oh man, just my mum never. Never calls at this time of night. But, uh, do not put that in as an outtake. Okay. <laughs> do not put that in as an outtake. Oh, man.